friends, welcome back. This is season two of Digging for Bones, episode one. Thanks for your patience while I took some time off to upgrade the show, as well as travel and meet a bunch of new interesting people I cannot wait to introduce you to this season. On this first episode, I interviewed a friend of mine named Neilan. Neilan has an awesome professional corporate job, but also balances that with his rich gay travel queer side as well. We talk about some tips with work-life balance, how do you bring your queerness to work, and what it means to be a good ally in the workplace. So I hope you enjoy this episode and take care. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Digging for Bones with me, Tucker Max, your host. Uh, it has been a little bit of a hiatus. I want to thank everybody for your patience. I took a break after the season finale of season one, and I told myself I wanted to upgrade the show and elevate it. I had a fundraiser where a bunch of you guys helped me raise some money to be able to get equipment in order to make this show better. So it's a better listening experience for you. So first and foremost, I wanted to say thank you for that. Um, I couldn't have done it without you and those of you who listen. So appreciate that a lot. Um, I have Neeland here, who is a good friend of mine, and I'm really excited to have him on the show for episode one. We have become friends over the last year. He's an incredibly special person to me, um, and we have gone on some of the best tangents that I could have imagined. That half the time I'm like, God fucking damn it, I wish that we were recording that. Um, so I'm excited to have him here and share him with all of you. And Neeland, if you... Yeah, I was going to say, welcome. Um, Thanks for being here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm glad I get the chance to talk to you for a little bit. You've been busy. I have been busy. It's been an eventful summer. (laughs) Yes. What have you been up to? I know that you've been off air for a little bit. Yeah, I took that pause and I had a crazy summer. I have a a non-romantic partner who's a female. And so I've been navigating that a little bit. Um, And it's interesting because we're not romantic at all. She's like my gay best friend. And we happen to meet boys together and have really awesome experiences. Um, I did Dory Alley. And that was my first time at like a street fair ever. And that was fucking insane. (laughs) I can't. It was just incredible. I bet. And then I have the Oregon leather competition coming up this weekend where I'm running for state pet in Oregon and a title that I've been working towards. So it has been a bit. Yes, I know. I, I got a phone call the other day uh, asking after a recommendation for you. So I gladly offered Aww. one. I gave you a sparkling recommendation. It was really, really Oh, that's so great. <laughs> I really appreciate that recommendation. Yeah, I'm really excited. They called a couple friends. Neilan was one of the people I put down as a referral. I didn't know they were going to call everyone. You know, those, you know, a lot of those places never call anyone. And so it, it turns out they actually did vet everybody really closely. So um, I really appreciate that. <laughs> I called you a progressive, a progressive thinker and, uh, oh no, I called you a critical thinker and a progressive oh. Um, and I think they really like that. So there you go. That means a lot. Um, so tell us, who are you? What do you do? Who am I? Um, professionally, I work in conferences. You've heard of like the TED conference, technology, education, and design. Like you watch them on YouTube and they'll have like thought leaders, uh, on stage talking about a concept or a specific topic or, you know, something having to do with their profession, um, authors, thought leaders, philosophers, whatever around the world. That's very similar to what I do. Um, except I work with C-level executives, um, of global enterprise corporations. Um, so some of the largest organizations in the world and specifically I work with executives in Canada. So the company that I work for puts on these conferences, they're like summits all over the world. And part of our sort of distinguishing factor is that we're regionally based. So I have networks of C-level leaders that I work with on a day-to-day basis in both Vancouver and Toronto. Um, and then I put on digital engagements for them, but mostly my attention right now, especially is on the in-person summit, which is the largest gathering that we'll have on a per year basis for each network. 
And so right now I'm working on a summit for Toronto and we're identifying thought leaders that we want to show. And basically we're doing a lot of the research for that. So like I will talk to these executives every day, get a good understanding of like what's on their mind, what their challenges are. You know, right now we're talking a lot about artificial intelligence because that's a huge disruptor clearly in the business community. And so they want to hear from their peers what they're doing, how they're reacting, what sort of policy they have and like what stage in the process they are in, you know, implementing any sort of finite policy or like reaction to AI. So, you know, uh, right now I work with human resource officers, chief human resource officers, um, which is like typically the faction of an organization that will like focus on uh, things like diversity, equity, and inclusion, employee experience, recruitment, onboarding, um, and then retention. So the pandemic and post-pandemic uh, sequences in the last like few years, everyone's perception of labor has totally changed. And these leaders have really been left with, you know, sort of the brunt of what the organizations have kind of had to transform into because their workforce doesn't behave in the same way that they did pre-pandemic. And so, you know, we're still reacting to a lot of that. And that's that and AI disruptions were probably going to be the um, baseline of what we'll discuss at the up upcoming summit. So yeah, we're just doing research for that now. And then in my personal life, uh, who am I? I'm like, uh, I, I identify as a city boy with a hippie heart. So, you know, I, I love, I love adventures. I love trying new things. I'm really interested in the human condition. I like super fancy piano bars with cocktails. And I also like dives. I like flying in helicopters to get where I want to go. And I like, you know, taking a tuk-tuk in the middle of Thailand on a cart, like with someone with, on, on the back of like a bicycle. So, I mean, like I've slept on train platforms before. I have slept in some of the most beautiful hotels in the world. I'm really interested in like all different aspects and perspectives in life and learning from them. Um, and I'm a huge environmentalist. Um, I'm really big into art and art history. I have a degree in um, art history and a, a master's in design. So I'm really interested in human creation on like a broader level. Um, yeah, and so like all of that stuff sort of contributes to my profession and that I, cr I create experiences for people. So it's sort of tied in that way. I'm kind of going on a tangent about yeah, me. No, that's it's my favorite that's topic. Great. That's a good so. introduction. <laughs> one of the things I love about I'm in a very good mood today because we get to cover my favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You talk about other people all the time, actually, but that's not irony in the joke that might get missed. Um, I actually have a question for you and statement. For sure. you and this amazing person, all the wonderful things and travel that you do. Um, you're also one of the sexiest parties people. I've seen you party. We met on Atlantis Cruise. You're into some of the coolest, weirdest shit and have gotten me to think about that. <laughs> so if you want to dive into that side of you as well, if you're comfortable with it, I think sure. show, one of the things I love about this show is so, like, you can be all those things and this. Yeah. Well, so I mean, like, I guess I'll answer that in a couple of ways. First off, I should probably provide the sanitized version because I do work for a corporation and I want I would like to keep my yeah, job, please. Yeah, for sure. um, <laughs> however, um, given my experience in different parts of the world, the impact that nightlife has had on on me and my personality and my life and my appreciation for what I have and my appreciation for like my privilege in life, you know, like understanding that. Um, not everyone gets to have the experiences that I get to have is like, has just been a totally transformative thing. And like a lot of people, I think just go to bars because they want to get drunk or like they want to take drugs or like they want to meet someone or they want to just have sort of a disposable experience. I'm interested in an adventure. I think you know that about me. Like every time I go out, I'm like, oh, I'm going to meet someone new. It's going to be the biggest freak in the city. I'm going to like, you know, t t uh, tell them along with me and we're going to go somewhere great. So that ha has happened pretty much everywhere that I've traveled to in the world. I always love exploring their nightlife. And 
the way that people talk about Studio 54 as having like this huge impact on them and like their perception of the world and how much it taught them about themselves and other people, that's literally how I feel about Bergein. So like for those who haven't been to Bergein or don't know what I'm talking about when I say that, there's a club in Berlin that's probably one of the hardest clubs to get into. They, they denied Elon Musk access because he was too like yuppie. And so, <laughs> and so it's this like huge, big abandoned warehouse, like three story factory. And they do it CO54 style where they can say no to you at the door. But inside you just hear screaming and this like pulsing, like ba base. And, uh, the party starts on Friday night. It goes continuously through the day until like Monday night, <laughs> all weekend. And there's a huge, like three block line to get into this place. Uh, and there are all these like sort of codes or like rules that can increase the likelihood of you getting in. And so when I went to Berghain for my first time when I was in my 20s, it totally transformed my entire perception of nightlife and like what was possible. And the reason why I appreciate partying so much and like the reason why I appreciate having those adventures is because we're so limited in the States. And I feel like only people who get to like leave and understand like how other cultures function and how other societies function and how much they appreciate nightlife and how much like it's entwined in their politics and the whole thing, they really can understand just like how, uh, how can I say this politely? sort of puritanical we are in this country you know like it's really about creating this stigma around things that are different around things that are taboo and like sort of looking down upon any alternative walk of life be it your fetish or your sexual orientation or even your gender you know or like in the states your race so i mean like it's it's kind of about like for me, nightlife is all about um, feeling a sense of liberation that helps you forget about those things, all of the social politics that go into every day and like helping people feel really proud about themselves and like celebrating um, our beautiful, totally queer world. So, I, yeah. I agree with you on so many levels. And I want to talk about this that like, you got that leap in the States, but someone with like the upbringing I had and where I was just going on like an Atlantis cruise or going to something like a Fog City Pack party in San Francisco and then Dory Alley, I have described for myself similar feelings of what you've been saying about being able to go out and explore nightlife and see people like display their fetishes and their sexualities in ways that it, it really opened me up. I'm actually going to be starting a nonprofit here soon. Um, I'll talk more about it on a later episode where travel has been such an important part and what Neelan's talking about here about being able to go explore especially queer culture or just open sexuality cultures outside of your own city um, can sometimes bring new perspective and i know and i will recognize how out of reach that is for a lot of people and how jumping on a cruise or going over to germany is just not something everybody can do um and there's ways to do that there's ways to travel there's uh you know, getting online and if you're comfortable with it, making friends and sharing costs of things with people. If you really want to do it, I highly recommend doing it or reaching out and asking for help um, because there is way. sleeping around <laughs> or sleeping around. I mean, if that's an agreement you have with one of your partners, definitely. Um, people will travel uh, for, for, for people. It, that's a, that is a thing. Uh, but yeah, I hope with a nonprofit, I'll be starting here soon to make that help make that more accessible for people. Um, and the other thing I want to ask you about, Neilan, is like, okay, so we've got this picture of like the three sides of you. I have this like really corporate, awesome business professional. I have this amazing friend who I know, and we get into these long tangents. And there's also this like wild side of you that we're keeping scrubbed down for career purposes, um, which is actually what I want to I want to talk about. Um, and I should I lie down? Do, do, is this is this a therapy Maybe. session? <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be talking about my multi-personal, my, pers my multiple personal. I think it's fantastic. Around. And I actually want to ask, like, how do you bring your queerness to work? Oh, my God. That's such an interesting question. And, like, I mean, it manifests in so many different ways to the point where, like, I'll be at odds with my senior leadership 
quite frequently because I see many aspects of the world as normal and totally worth celebrating. And then they will look at it through a completely different lens, which typically stems from white supremacy and patriarchy. So I'll give you a recent example. Like my understanding of things like dress codes is so different from like what your grandfather thought of as appropriate to where to work, uh-huh. you know, because my understanding of dress codes includes like black people being able to wear cornrows or like wear their hair natural, you know, in a fro or like women to show a lot of skin at work or like not or like, you know, covering up completely and wearing whatever the F they want, because like the whole thing is like, like to take it back to a queer place, like there's a there's there's a lot of masquerading of like what it means to be appropriate in our culture right and so like we all play that game every day when we go to work because we want others to perceive us a certain way and we want to be taken seriously but that but as long if it's when you forget that it's a masquerade that you start to see problems because people start holding your identity to like, or they start to tether it to like your gender or like to tether it to your sexual orientation where like, you know, there's something called um, indeterminacy. It's something that Judith Butler gives us in the nineties. She's a feminist, but like basically Judith Butler is watching a drag queen and she's like, oh yeah, femininity is just like a series of performances you know, and that's like how you, you know, that's what, that's what gender is. You know, gender is just a series of performances, but her point is like, it's not just about drag queens. That's like true for conventional femininity where like women are forced to invest in cosmetics and plastic surgery and high heels and makeovers and makeup and like their hair. And like men basically have to buy a suit every day, maybe buy some shaving cream and go to work. So it's like a complete imbalance of the expectations of certain genders and certain minorities or disenfranchised populations that is visited on them by the status quo. And that's what dress codes are. So like, it's a level of fascism that's very subtle that exists in our culture. But the other day I was like reprimanded for wearing shorts in the office and it was like a record breaking (laughs) (laughs) like temperature outside and these were not like daisy dukes they were like very preppy like ralph lauren looking suit shorts with pleats and everything and i had like a cute polo on i thought i looked very professional but someone in the office did not and instead of coming and talking to me about it they go and talk to my manager about it so then there's sort of this added level of like oh we're going to make him look bad to his to his boss So, I mean, like, for me, I pick up on the almost subliminal homophobia there, where it's like, I disagree with any alternative to the status quo, to the point where, like, anything that we queer, anything that, like, breaks the rules even slightly, you know, in the eyes of the establishment, cannot be tolerated, you know? We won't even be able to discuss these arbitrary rules, you know, because, like, it, it, it puts the entire company at risk. You know, if we, if we allow shorts in the office, then people are going to wear tank tops into work. And then if people wear tank tops into work, you know, they'll be, they'll be wearing thongs into work the next week. <laughs> so it's like people build these like narratives up in their mind about like what it requires in order to keep an organization functional. But all of that is complete BS. And especially since people have been reevaluating how they feel about work and what they want out of their employment, You know, I mean, like the war on talent, hiring this next generation of people like who have gone through the pandemic and have been able to experience a work life balance. We are not going back to whatever normal was pre pandemic that is very gone. So like for those organizations, including mine, who don't like evolve with the times like they're going to be facing some hardship in the future you know i mean like the dress code thing is a small example but you know back to work in the office is a kind of larger example where it's like are you going to mandate that people be in the office every single day so that you can like basically feed your ego because there's no like data to support the fact that like people are more productive in the office versus being at home especially if like their job is easily done by at home right in some cases, like in, in some, some days, I'm less productive when I go into the office. You know what I'm saying? So my queerness 
to sum this up, my queerness manifests in various ways, but it typically manifests in my defense of alternative thinking in a corporate setting, if that makes any that is, sense. That's so like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, it will be things like asking questions. Why do you think that? Or like, why is this our policy? Have we revisited this in the last 20 years? Like, <laughs> there's some things that are so antiquated um, and arbitrary that like just don't make sense for this generation of, of, of professionals. It's for like our grandfather's professional, if that makes any sense. So um, I try to be a voice for people who are voiceless in our culture at all times. Um, and that's my sort of form of activism uh, from a social justice perspective. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I get more angry when I witness injustice than I do really at any other point in my life. But I find that happening more so at work. And it's just about a certain ignorance that you can correct on the spot. So I tend to do that quite frequently. I mean, that also has a consequence. I don't know how far I'm going to go in this company, right? Because I'm so outspoken and like the black sheep among many of the leadership. But I don't care. I'm really good at my job and I deliver. And so I'm doing something right. And so hopefully they're paying attention. And that's but, that's uh, kind of what I was hoping for out of this was... So you've talked about like I'm getting like it's about the way I look, the way I talk, it's the way I present myself, and the role that I want to play at work. And for a lot of us, gay, queer, straight, uh, whatever your identity is within our community, pop, kinky, um, it's hard to hide aspects of that sometimes. Like that's such a part of who we yeah. are, and then that comes with us to this place we're going to spend most of our lives at. I mean, forty hours a week. That's right. more than I see any of my friends. And so, of course, it's going to come out. And right. we face these challenges uh, at work. And I was, I'm actually shocked. Usually you've had, because you've like counseled people and had productive conversations on how companies can be better in this area. Uh, what would, oh, what would you say to someone who maybe doesn't have the privilege that we have or is scared of losing their job and their income? Because a lot of us in our community don't make a ton of money and those of us who do um, – and what if you feel like you're being oppressed in ways and you're trying, how do you find that balance between like, you know, a company does have the right to set some standards to a degree and keep the brand going yeah. and yeah. also bringing your, yourself oh, how would you give someone advice who might be like, I don't feel like I can be myself at work. It is so hard. It is so hard. I will start there because we live in a capitalist culture where we are reliant on a physical level <laughs> <laughs> like on our for our physical health, we are reliant on our job on our jobs and to be employed. And so to to have the level of confidence and self-worth um, to a company where you are where you have the gumption and the balls to like stand up for yourself and say what you think should change in an organization or where there's opportunity for change in an, or in an organization. It's like, that is so scary. And I've totally been intimidated before, but you have to find, and like, you kind of have to test the bounds of that a lot. So like, the reason why I'm so vocal in my current company is because I test the bounds with my immediate manager, who I absolutely love, and my past bosses who I've had. And it's like, they really champion my beliefs. In other words, they see my vision for what like potential the organization has, and also wants to evolve the organization and make us a more modern you know, sort of community of people. Because to your point, we spend more time with the people we work with than we do people we love or our families, right? So, so like, I am not slow. somebody who can- Yeah, like you want to go in a little bit slow. Don't come in hot, like your first week at work. Like it's not- Right, <laughs> but it also means like, so say you found a new job, companies virtue signal all the time. It drives me absolutely, absolutely crazy. It's such a disservice to any movement because you can, you know, if you're BMW and you're like, you know, waving the pride flag in June, you know, in the States, and then all of your publicity in the Middle East, where it's illegal to be gay, is just like standardized BMW advertising with no mention of the pride flag. It's like, that's a double standard. And you don't get to pick and choose, unfortunately, you know, it's like, you can either be an ally or you can't. So that's 
So you get to pick a so pick your it's an interesting time yeah. now. It's a huge opportunity. It's also a huge burden because organizations are starting to to believe or starting to recognize something that's been true forever, that by existing, they are inherently political. Being a corporation is political. <laughs> you have to like take a stance if you're going to represent people who are very diverse, who come from all different types of experiences and who want to see people like them in the organization, right? So th there's a huge opportunity there because we all know that with more diverse thought, you're going to grow and be more um, vibrant as an organization. That's like tried and true. It's just like what makes for creativity. You don't evolve as, a, as an org when you have the same person working in your organization. You want people with a lot of different types of thoughts and feelings and experiences. So that's when you know you get to reach out to those communities as an organization and say there's a place for you here and then you have to kind of like make a place for people there without it being like i said earlier like sort of this greenwashing or this virtue signaling to attract people and then there's no authenticity but you know when you're hiring for an inter when you're when you're in an, an interview initially like before you get your job they like to create an entire picture for you about what your experience will be. And then there's actually experiencing the company. <laughs> so how does someone, how does someone get a company out? Let's say I mean, it's yeah, so privileged it's, enough to be shopping around for a job. Uh, yeah. how, do you, how do you vet yeah. and see the difference between some of that virtue signaling so that you don't get stuck so, when you get there? So it's, that's a great question. What, so um, uh, TJ Vance, I can't stand him as a human. Like he is a he's a politician. I think he's like running for president or something. But his book, Hillbilly Elegy, is so interesting. And I recommend everyone read it, even if you're like a progressive left thinker. He's a conservative, comes from like, I believe it's Arkansas, and like lives lived an incredibly impoverished life. His mother was an addict. He was raised by his grandmother. He did really well in school and it's about his story, like coming into Yale law and like his, his, his like evolution and at Yale. And what he says in the book at one point is like, poor people look for work in a very specific way. They go online and like fill out a million applications and submit them. And nobody ever looks at any of those applications ever. Rich people ask their friends, do, does your team need anyone uh, or does your team need a new hire? Or does your team need anyone? Will you make a recommendation for me? That is how you find work. Also, that is how you find like an authentic representation of an organization. You have to talk to people who currently work there. Because if you don't do that, you're not doing yourself any service in setting yourself up for success. Like what is the reality of your experience at this organization? And what are they telling you is going to be the experience at this organization? Those are two very different things. So um, I've never taken a job, A, that, what, that I wasn't recommended for, and B, that I didn't have like a clarified, authentic understanding of what the company culture was. And I had to kind of agree with it, you know? Yeah. So Matching values um, is an important step in finding an organization to work for. Now, I, that being said, yeah. like if you need a job and you're in a hard place and you need to take something, by all means, take it. Like it's better. Like, yes. Unfortunately, we do live in capitalism. You need money. But like keep looking for that one that's going to be a match for you. Um, yeah. But I mean, like even that, like we we know a lot of sex workers in our friend group. And they make a lot of money and they live totally satisfying lives. Now, that's not going to be the case for everyone, of course. But for I think that there's a lot of stigmatized opportunities outside of the status quo that no one even considers because, like, basically there's sub some subliminal messaging telling them to never consider or, like, follow those paths. You know, it's like there's a lot of pluses to doing sex work if, like, everyone's consenting and this is something that you want to do. There's a lot of money in it. You can find financial freedom. You have like, you know, a lot of control over your own life. You're your kind of own boss. So, I mean, like, there's not a lot of structure. You have to be a very specific type of person. But, you know, for someone who is not wanting to join an organization and fall into line, that might be a path to consider that like a lot of people won't or don't because there's a social stigma attached yeah, to it. Yeah, you can like sell paintings on Etsy or sell your body. It's your 
decision. I, I mean, for someone who does some sex work and also has a career, I enjoy it for the fun um, and the autonomy and power that I feel in it. And that's what's important to me. But I do know, I think yes. at a bare minimum, it, it, it's my body. I can, I should be able to do whatever the hell I want with it. It's, it's mine. And I think in our economy, that's like for a lot of people, if they choose now, I'm not saying everyone needs to go out and do sex work. If that's like not your thing, that's not your thing by all means. Um, not, I don't recommend it as a rock bottom thing, but <laughs> by all means, like if it's, yeah, I don't if it's something you want to do, it's a, it, it is, you do have that in your, your resources and there, there shouldn't be, unfortunately there is, but there shouldn't be stigma attached to that. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying that like, I'm just, I think like, you know, so, so first off there's, I'm not talking about sex trafficking. There's a difference between sex trafficking and sex work. <laughs> um, sex work is work. Um, sex trafficking is illegal and rape. Um, so I want to make that distinct, that distinction and exploitation, of course. Um, so, but then also, you know, I don't know why people don't weigh out their options in sort of like an equal way when it comes to going to school, starting their own business, or like maybe pursuing sex work as a career. Like, I mean, that's just something that I think in the future, our grandchildren will be like, well, why not? Like, there's like very little risk involved. Like if you're doing everything virtually nowadays, why not? Why wouldn't you consider that? I mean, it can be exploitative, of course, but every every company that I can think of has a level of exploitation associated with no, it. <laughs> we talk about being, you, you mentioned standing up kind of for the little guy at work sometimes. So we've talked about, you know, you know, being your queer self, being authentic, you know, holding your company, yes. vetting companies before you start working for them. But when you see things or spot things, you know, I'm a cisgendered gay male. Um, and every in our alphabet right. has different levels of privilege associated with their leather all the way up to cisgendered straight white man. And we all, different levels of privilege and disadvantages and so how do how do you and i be good allies while we're also queer people to others at work so so one of well one thing is just like if you see something say something so like i have encountered multiple times in which i've heard transphobic jokes i've heard misogynist jokes um and it's just about it so if you're just going to argue, you're not going to move the ball and you're not going to, no one's going to listen to you, right? So the, the goal should not be to argue with someone or be accusatory. It's really not about that. We all, like you said, have um, disadvantages and privileges in our life. And some of that, a lot of that has to do with your education and your experience, your personal experience. We are all... Um, we are all the 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 outcomes of our experience right so like when when i say i speak up for the voiceless i live in portland oregon like most people are extremely progressive here and so when i and and so you know if we're designating a safe space oftentimes i have to defend somebody who has right-leaning beliefs or at least not defend their beliefs but at least give them a chance to speak because i believe in freedom of speech and so it's like that that doesn't just I don't just get, um, you know, s- speak out for plot people who twist. are marginalized. In our <laughs> plot twist. I love this. Keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also end up having to say, like, why don't we listen to everyone's opinion and then see if we can learn from one another or if we can if we're saying the same thing in different language. And oftentimes it's the latter. We all have the same goals. And, and at heart, you know, I mean, like there's a lot of differences in the way that we achieve those goals, maybe. But I think most people want the same thing. They want like safety, security, financial freedom, liber- uh, you know, to feel to feel celebrated and affirmed in their lives. Um, and then they want, you know, the same thing for their loved ones. And so like when you and, and so like when one group, you know, goes about doing that by saying we're going to embrace everyone because I've experienced different walks of life and I feel like diversity is sort of the key to a better world, a better society. And then you have people who just grown, grew up in their like hometown and literally never left their hometown their entire lives and have never you know, experienced diversity. You have to leave room for like both of those experiences to voice their opinion, you know? Um, and I often, you know, do learn something from people. I, 
I read a lot of conservative literature. You know that I'm a progressive left thinker. Um, but I think like one missing piece of what uh, people on the left and the right do or don't do is read, you know, more about the opinions of the people who disagree with them. We're like so afraid of being wrong in our culture. Like we're obsessed with certainty to the point where it's like, we won't even consider opinions that challenge our own. So it's a weird ego thing, but I really wish more people did that because there's a lot to learn from people who disagree with you. And I actually wish I knew more conservatives in my life. Um, I have like three, <laughs> which I think is really good considering it's me. But like, we just don't get into politics. You know, it's like, we just don't talk about yeah. it. I would rather yeah. like preserve a friendship. And I know where that conversation will go ultimately to like, you know, hell basically. So I have to, you know, remind myself, I appreciate them for other reasons. And that's why we're friends. And hopefully through osmosis, through my like, you know, demonstrating to them that like you can live a different life and be happy. Um, they learn something from me too, you know? So like, it really is, a, it's, it, it really does require uh, two parties to be at a certain maturity level where you can be a diplomatic arguer um, and have a conversation with someone without it getting, without it escalating into something ridiculous. But people just don't have those tools. They're uneducated. They don't understand how to like, you know, engage in a conversation that's meaningful. Um, it's just about your wrong and it's so black and white. It's binary thinking, honestly. It's like there's right and wrong and there's no gray no room for gray. And that's sad. You know, it's like, there's, that's not how life so works. So being an ally so. for those different opinions, which I, I, I agree with that. I think that's great. Cause especially like, if you don't create that space for others, they're not going to create that space for you. And by all means, we need that space. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's really solid advice. Um, I'm going to give you a chance now. Uh, you get to ask me some questions. I call this flip the script. Okay. Yeah, so, oh, okay. I, that. <laughs> I think that was some really solid advice for, for work um, and, you know, being queer at work. And I, we, we covered a lot there. So, you know, you have this sure. great work-life balance where you get to go experience and be an authentic gay self. And sometimes you face challenges at work that we don't always win. But, you know, it's important to vet your companies before you work for them and stand up for people's voices, even if they're not necessarily your own. So I really appreciate you. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, something, I mean, so typically what ends up happening and I'll, I'll share this narrative and then I'm happy to ask you a few questions for sure. But like, um, I remember I was on a, I was on a call with a company that shall remain nameless. And basically the point of this call was for me to prepare them for the summit. So they were sponsoring our summit. They were, um, you know, going to be basically doing all, uh, providing under uh, all of our underwriting funds for, for the, for the summit. And so I'm, basically giving them a little bit of prep to help them optimize their day and help them achieve their goals. Like, cause they have sales goals that they want to achieve at the summit. So anyways, I'm on this call with their sales team. They have a new leader. Her name's Elizabeth. And, uh, Elizabeth is like, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, I'm good. How are you? And she's like, great. This is our new addition to the team. Kenny. Um, Kenny is our, our new SDR, our sales development representative. I was like, hi, Kenny, how's it going? Do you have any questions about the summit that I can answer for you on this call? I'm like here to help. Um, Kenny goes, you know, I'm curious about the dress code. And I was like, well, on paper, it's business casual, um, you know, but like I'm going to be in a suit and the executives will probably wear like jeans and a nice shirt or some of them will be in suits, but you can wear what you want. Just like, you know, be comfortable. And then Elizabeth chimes in and goes, you should come in a dress. And everyone on the call just like erupted in laughter. But I didn't think that was funny. I thought that was really, really out of line because like I, I, I was like, I could be a trans woman or a trans man on this call and you would never know. There's something called passing privilege where like a lot of people think that they don't know any trans people, but they probably, they may. I mean, like there's a lot of trans people in the world, but a lot of them, you know, would are just not out as trans people. They, you know, are, you know, are, are passing. In other words, they, they, they meet conventional standards of, you know, whatever it is that we choose to align different genders with. So, Anyways, 
I took it as an opportunity for like to like just teach the whole call like a little something about like what's appropriate at work now and because given because clearly they didn't know um and so i was like you know listen you guys we have the president and ceo of the national center for civil and human rights coming to speak as our keynote speaker at this summit we have like chief diversity officers on site here like you just cannot make those types of jokes even like you know subliminal messaging when it comes to transphobia can't happen on site like it's just setting yourself up for disaster. So, I mean, like that happens more frequently in a corporate setting than like me having to defend, you know, maybe a right-leaning thinker. Um, it's by far a more uh, transphobic, misogynistic, racist type of environment, unfortunately. Um, so anyways, that's just like the little, I, rem I will always remember that because it was like so shocking at the and you know it's like i cannot believe this is happening in 2022 yeah. but that's another example of but uh, thank you oh yeah i mean like and so i mean i guess my question for you is like have you ever been put in a position like that where you had to speak out, up on someone else's behalf and like how did that make you feel and like what were some of the consequences of your action um, yeah, I'll answer that. So uh, earlier in the summer, I, uh, the corporation I work for, we were buying lunches for everybody for every week for the last uh, couple of weeks of a quarter. And one of my boss wanted to make one of the lunches uh, a pride lunch and asked if maybe I would host it and make some pride things for it. Um, and I had actually posted on my Instagram if any local people had any like local restaurants or, you know, LGBT ran businesses that we could support for a company lunch. Um, and I actually got who's one of my sponsors actually for the leather title, this company pizza thief here in town. Um, and I brought it to my, my company and they were like, Oh, well we already picked out these, these restaurants and stuff, but you know, you can, you, you can, we can make it a pride thing. And I, I like stepped up in, in a meeting and I was like, Hey, like, if we're doing a pride thing, like that's, we've got to support like the businesses and the community that we're <laughs> trying to support by doing this. Um, yeah. And actually they were really receptive to it. Uh, I didn't, I didn't Great. get any pushback. It was just this like pause and wow, you're right. <laughs> um, and you know, so like it's when you speak up sometimes at work, it's not always, depending on where you work and if you vetted, I fortunately vetted the hell out of my company and this is the most authentically gay I've ever been anywhere. I wear a collar every day to work. Um, and it, it was pretty cool. I think sometimes having the courage to speak up because it took, I remember I was so scared to say that. Um, and, and it ended up being this really positive experience and I've been able to t tell that story in interviews and my boss is just a wonderful human being. Um, and yeah. it was, and I, and we got to support a local business. And so my story on that is a really positive one. It's not, things are moving forward for some, and some corporations do get it and are trying really. And so like, speak up. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's like such valid advice. Like, and you, when you were asking about how can you ascertain like the quality of a company and if it's like good for you or if it's right for you, Part of that is about like getting an outside opinion from someone who maybe works there already and like asking inquisitive questions during the interview process. But also what you're saying, like be your authentic self in the interview. Like they won't hire you if you're not aligned with their culture and that's okay. or, they don't, or you're not and what they okay. want. And that yes. is okay. They're doing you a big favor. Now it's now it, I mean, that's easy for me to say I'm fucking employed. You know what I'm saying? But like, I, I get that like our culture, our capitalist culture, like puts so much over people who are unemployed. It is the, it must be the most insane level of stress um, because it's so attached to our healthcare. It's attached to like so many of our resources that help us like live on a day-to-day -day basis. It's insane. It should not be like that. That's a good um, thing to mention. There too. are so many different. For us, this is such an important topic of finding a job that aligns with who you are. And healthcare does depend, does a lot of the times end up being this thing that really pressures us, especially being queer healthcare, because a lot of us do need that. 
And yes. so we end up in companies that we may not like because we're desperate for our health. Um, but that being said, it, or jobs that we don't like. Ask yeah. when you're if you find yourself unemployed just from being there before, um, especially if you're in a big city or you're close to a city. A lot of these cities. Um, talk to some friends or re message people online in our community, it, make a connection because there's probably resources available uh, for us. A lot of major cities have, you know, healthcare. Um, you can get things like prep for free if you're unemployed. And so, and a lot of those major cities actually do span out to the rural areas around them as well, because they know, um, <laughs> and they know that they don't have any, there's no, gay bar there for people to bump into friends to find out that they can get help with some of these things so while you're looking for that job maybe we can make the cost of your health care go down a little bit we pay our taxes for this stuff and it does exist i know the cascadia aids project here in oregon just getting on with mr or q care uh these companies will actually help get you set up with them so um there's another tool in your right. toolbox to help you find the right job so that you can take some of that pressure off there are resources out there. Like, I mean, Oregon's pretty good because I think they have like a, a like a public healthcare system. Like, if you're unemployed, you can still like have access to healthcare th through the state um, at like very low to little to no cost, which is really really amazing. But I know that like the majority of America does not operate like that, and um, you know that's why I think like we're totally ready for a sea change when it comes to. Uh, social health care, you know, quasi-socialist cult cultures are exist all over the world. We are the last you know, developed or uh, I'll pause this, uh, I'll pause this on that, this one because like, we could go on. That could be a whole episode and it's... Yeah, that's a whole tangent. But anyways, I'm saying like, you're totally right. Like, but it, I'm, I just don't want to sound like I'm totally like not considering other people's oh, situations yeah. right now. Like, I, I, I but I, I will say that like, you're doing yourself a favor if you don't take a job that you're not going to be at long term like you want to make sustainable decisions for yourself and like try to find your career not a job um because it will provide you with some stability in your life even though you know your life is probably super chaotic at the moment so i know they're like it's a weird game but i've had so many toxic jobs in my life and i've spent way too much time in jobs that i hated before and it's really like you quit your manager you don't quit your job like you quit the people who make you leave because you're miserable <laughs> what other um, questions you got anyway um well i'm curious about you mentioned earlier that you have like a new nonprofit, so i wanted to hear a little bit more about yeah that. i haven't started it yet but with my leather title um, something I've been thinking about, you have to represent a charity and I, I just, there's a lot of charities and some organizations are good and some are not organized. And so I've had this idea of something I wanted to give back and I haven't totally developed it yet. So if anybody's listening and wants to help with this, I will appreciate anybody who wants to jump on board who has resources, but I want to do some kind of travel raffle and have two sets of prizes. Um, and the, the first goal is to do a separate pool for like trans people of color those of us who are queer and low income and just base it on honor system and you get a two for one raffle um and then everybody else gets a one for one raffle um and help people travel to like gay and queer events that might be out of their city um the first couple i'll probably stick to some events that matched my personal setting just because i've networked with people um but as we get better and raise more money, have different kinds of vacation packages. But these vacation packages, there might be a flight and some kind of lodging or a discount on lodging and a ticket to some event, maybe that like IML or, you know, full swim. And I know <laughs> you're going to send like a little gay boy from Kansas City to IML. <laughs> exactly. No, that's exactly what I want to do. And so what I want to do is like, you need to talk to RJ. I mean, like, I, 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 I know that, like, you guys have had a hard time, like, connecting, but honestly, you should really talk to RJ. He's the director of yeah, a project in the largest nonprofit yeah. in New York. Yeah, I know. So I wanna, uh, and, I mean, he needs to re respond to you. But, we'll get yeah. there, maybe. I, I really want to do this, and I want people – because being able to explore our community and other cities and – 
people from all over the states and country and I've got friends in other countries now and this all happened in a year and it happened from traveling and I really want people to see and be able to at least have the opportunity to interact with some of our community in other places. And I don't think that it's feasible for everybody. And I'm hoping this could just be one more little thing out there that helps maybe make someone lucky every now and then with a little bit of luck uh, to yeah. have access to it. As the program gets more successful, I'd like to have two different pools for those prices. I don't think we'll have enough money right away in the beginning to have two different pools. Um, but I think it would be cool. And people can buy raffle. I will work with bars to see if they'll set like little QR codes out and things like that. Uh, but the whole thing is going to be for nonprofit. Like it's literally just to make people's day and give them help, help give them experiences. This is kind of the idea here. I love that. That's so cool. And I mean, like, that is a great way to battle like bias in our country, which is so needed. You know, we live in this totally like polarized society and like just people need more exposure to alternative experiences that like maybe they would have never experienced had it have been like not for an organization like what you're trying to build. Like, I mean, the more that they can learn through immersing themselves in a, in a culture or like an environment outside of what they're used to, the better. And I mean, like, that's kind of the beauty of travel, period. It's like the best classroom, you know, like you get to understand people in a whole new way, in a whole new environment. And uh, yeah, I mean, like every single, I read a lot of memoirs and like, <laughs> I I read one about this like like neo Nazi whose parents like owned the number one like neo Nazi or like white supremacist radio station called like Stormfront I think, but um, anyways to take this to a lighter note when he goes to college and like relocates to a different setting he starts meeting new people he starts befriending you know all diverse uh, you know all diverse communities and like makes a complete 180 from the hatred of his earlier life to his later life. And that's kind of the narrative of like most, you know, hate filled people who like turn their life around and later in life, it's just about like meeting new people and experiencing new exactly. things like American history X. Same well, thing. like in this, so, I'll be honest, these are, these are parties. I'm not trying to send people to a Ted talk. I'm not trying to like, we have that stuff and I know that stuff's important. I'm not saying that going to a circuit party is like the thing you need to do in order to be gay. I think that like some people who would like to experience these kinds of experiences could benefit from them and they want to do it to help make it more accessible for them. Why don't you start parties in like Kansas City? Like why can't that be the Let's get up to like a, a couple more than 2,000 listeners and we'll talk. <laughs> right now, I need you guys to tell your friends about my show. And uh, I've got a packed season too for you. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know. Like, I've been, we've got people coming up from pups to kinksters to sex workers to, you know, deeper conversations like the ones Neilan and I had. It's all over the God, I'm so you, boring compared to you these are people. You're not boring. I think being queer at work is an important topic. And so, um, there is there's a lot to come this season, so I'm really excited to share it with you. And because of you all, I've got upgraded equipment. I've got a new recording system, brand new website, um, and I will be at Fulsome, and I'll let you guys know if I win that title or not by the next episode. Oh, I'm going to be at Fulsome Europe in Berlin in September, so if any one of your listeners is there, uh, hit me up on Instagram, and maybe we can meet up while we're there. Yay! Yay. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you and your incredible human and just wild card and enigma in life. So you keep being you. Thanks, dog. <laughs> <laughs>